to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 319 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? I know we got a loaded docket today of previews and reviews, but did you see, sir, last night, Mr. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. take the L to one Anderson Silva, a 46-year-old MMA superstar or uh, long-gone MMA superstar? And not only that, Ken, not only that, but later, his father invites his arch rival into the corner to work the corner for his fight as, as old ginger balls himself, Canelo Alvarez steps into the ring. Somebody please, please have that boy on suicide watch today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to think that the color of Chavez Jr.'s hair is actually dictated to him by Canelo Alvarez by like, w- like whatever, you know, color describes the mood of, you know, where he lands his nutsack on top of Junior's head, right? <laughs> it's like, do I want to lay this thing on a on a bleachy, soft white pillow? Oh, maybe a pink pillow. <laughs> <laughs> he does photo shoots. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, I don't think that's a rivalry, you know? Like, I... I I mean, it is to it is to one of them. <laughs> I guess I don't even know if Junior's like even there anymore, man. You know, he lost to like the old dad version of Anderson Silva in a boxing match. It was it wasn't a Muay Thai fight. It's fucking hilarious. Not only that, but he fucking missed weight by two pounds for an exhibition fight and had to give up a hundred thousand dollars. This fucking guy is the gift that keeps on giving, Ken. Everybody wants him to change, but it's not like he's inconsistent. I mean, no, at, this point, at this point, everybody's tuning in for what we're getting. Yeah. I mean, this is like pretty spot on. It's like, all right, this guy's, he's fucking giving us uh, exactly what we paid for here. Nice. Good, <laughs> good value in junior right now. What an epic telenovela that's going on. If they're just broadcasting that to the Mexican population right now, man. I mean, what an absolute shit show, but it makes perfect sense. You just see like, you know, sort of the joy and the, you know, just the, the way that senior carries himself and the way that he's admired, you know, the way that people look at him and revere him. And then to have like this afterbirth with bleached hair, <laughs> you know, it's like afterbirth. I mean, that's what he is at this point. There you go. There's our post fight of the pay per view. We did we did it before the opening credits. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that's out of the way. We got a lot to cover. Like you said, man, it is an absolutely loaded show. Uh, we appreciate all of you that subscribe to the Boxing Rant. This content is exclusive to you. We will also be releasing premium content to our pay per view clout and all access subscribers as we give you guys a mid season update. On the boxing rant, pound for pound countdown. Uh, that'll be coming sometime middle of this week. And uh, we appreciate all of you that subscribe. Um, the premium subscribers, you're going to get some bonus content up in this bitch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we appreciate it. Spread the word. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81, at Kenny Keith Jr. and Vin. Let's get right down to this program. It was ESPN last night from Las Vegas. The monster, Niowa Inouye, squared off against Michael Das Marinas as he defended his WBA and IBF Bantamweight titles. Um, The monster last night put on a display of elite bodywork, bodycraft, just overall boxing prowess. I think it's very clear um, that Niowa Inouye is one of the very best fighters in the world. And last night, he just showed he did what he's supposed to do. We'll get to the Jamal Charlo fight, right? A fighter that is supposed to be in that same pound-for-pound conversation. At least people want him to be a part of that conversation. Um, And you saw what happened with with his fight. 
a fight that at some point turned into at least a little mini war <laughs> when I don't feel like it had to. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, but with in a way he did what he does when you are at this level, this is what you do to this opponent. I don't think there's much difference between Michael Das Marinas and Juan Macias Montiel. <laughs> what say you, Vin? <laughs> there's not much difference at all. And let's just say this, that poor, poor Das Marinas is going to be fucking pissing blood for, oh. for four to six weeks. That man was gutted. I mean, gutted last night. It is painful to watch somebody take that, that sort of punishment to the body. Like you start to feel it yourself. And, you know, as a, as a person who just dabbled just the slightest little bit in the sport and sparred back into my early twenties, I can tell you that there is nothing fun about getting hit to the body. That shit is brutal. And the way that in a way just rips, I mean, just rips, there was a, a clip posted on Twitter of somebody uh, do, doing a ringside video of him landing that left to the body on the ropes. That's sound. There's a different sound when his punches land. It is, it's, it's fucking scary sounding, man. It's It sounds like a wrecking ball just going through something. It is, I, I'll tell you what, there's no more question in the guy. I don't know whoever has doubts or, or whatever. You brought it up with what fighters are supposed to do when they're in with level competition that he was in with last night. You dismantle them. You make it entertaining by displaying everything that you possess as a fighter at its fullest potential, and that's how you make it entertaining. You know, I, you could compare the Charlo fight and this fight in a lot of different ways, you know, with the, with the level of competition, but there's one thing that's, that's for sure after seeing both of them last night. Niowa, in a way, is without question either the number one or number two pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, however you want to slice and dice that and wherever you want to place them. There is no doubt, okay? There's, there's, there's no fucking doubt. It's him and Canelo Alvarez and the rest of the pack after that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just like uh, with your fantasy football tiers. <laughs> Canelo and Inouye are definitely in tier Number one, but I guess you got to be a premium subscriber to the show. You got to have that pay-per-view clout or want to at least get a taste of what pay-per-view clout is. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, you'll get to find out who is number one and who is number two. Um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, Niowa in a way is just, dude, he is an ultimate pleasure to watch. This reminds me, I get the same sort of tingly feeling when I watched Niowa in a way operate that I did, let's just say in like 2014 by Gennady Golovkin, mm -hmm. right? It's just that same, you, it's, it's just destructive. It's precise. It's elite. It's, it's deliberate. You know, it's, it's thoughtful. Like these guys fight in such a way that, um, man, it's just so wonderful to watch Niowa in a way, you know, look, man, He's kind of becoming this trendy thing. Like you saw the attention that he was getting. Like everybody wants to see Niowa in a way. There is now a palpable sort of beginnings, right, of a Manny Pacquiao-esque buzz about this guy. Like everybody thought that was going to be Lomachenko, right? But it never really caught on. Mm -mm. There is a there's a mystique. There's a great promotion behind him, which is interesting because I, I I clearly think that part of it is not coming from top rank. <laughs> They're just thankful that he <laughs> that in a way comes with some creative a good creative team, right? Yep. Um, but the buzz that's growing behind this guy, man, there's a good chance they put him on the right path, man. Niowa in a way could become the next Manny Pacquiao. I'm not saying he's gonna be a world champion at 42 years old. I'm not saying he's going to wind up being one of the 10 greatest fighters of all time. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that at all, but um, man, dude, it's just, it's a really good time to be a boxing fan right now and to be able to watch this guy's career because there's a, like, as, as, as those who uh, will find out on our pound for pound list, there's a lot of fighters getting old and Niowa in a way is only one of two fighters in their twenties that is in our top 10. Yes. So there's a little uh, 
uh, tidbit nugget for you. But um, what an exquisite body attack by the monster. Um, you looking forward to a Nonito Donaire rematch after Donaire does his uh, takes care of Rigo's business for him? <laughs> <laughs> I found all that. You know, until last night, and you, we saw uh, the ESPN broadcast kind of mention the uh, Donaire Casimiro fight and kind of try to tie all them together, which a lot of times we don't see these networks talking about another fight on another network and it, and it culminating in a, in a fight between both of them. They just don't fucking do it. Um, but ESPN did it last night because at first I was thinking, man, are these guys all going to just, they're going to be over in the PBC and, and in a way is going to be left out in the cold like Terrence Crawford is with top rank and just not have anybody, not any of the top guys in his division to fight. But it looks like there's no chance. And I think in the smaller divisions, maybe it's like, you know, there's only so many guys there. There's only so many names that you can uh, that you can have them fight that anybody would even recognize in the slightest bit. So, th- so these guys almost are forced to fight each other. Um, just to to get the paydays that they want and all that, and I and I get all that, but it is look if if Donaire handles business against Casimiro and th- and that's an uh, an all Filipino showdown that's going to be a fucking war, okay, an absolute war. If he comes through that and 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 you know looks really good in beating Casimiro, which I think he can. I think Casimiro's a little bit overrated as as a fighter lately, over, especially over these last two years. I know he's got some power and all that. But I, I don't think he compares the Donaire in the skill department or the power department. At the end of the day, if that's what we get, I, I'm all for it, man. I, you know, I, I really, uh, my interest in, in a way, I, I already know. I like in that rematch. Look, that was a close fight, and Donaire did excellent work in that fight, and 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 damage to in a way that you can see in his face to this day. Uh, his eye is still screwed up. So, you know. <sighs> It's just, it's tough, man, because I just don't see, like, he's gotten older. In a way, he's not gotten any worse. I, I just don't see a rematch going any different. I think, in a way, you know, handles him a little bit more handily this time. But it was an entertaining-ass fight. So if you're going to give it to me, I'll take it. But I'm looking, what I'm looking for from In a way is that next step up to 122 because I think that's where the legit challenges will come for him when he steps into that size of opponent you know will his power be as destructive as it has been at 115 and 118 that's the question for me outside of that I think he dominates everybody at 118 without question yeah I think he'll do fine at at 122 but I think that that's the ceiling I I can't do you get up into featherweight man you're you're boxing guys that are five foot nine and shit. Yeah, you know, I bet. I, oh, I, I bet you he tries to 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 dabble up there a time or two for sure. Oh yeah, for the right fight. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I think that that's what I, that's what I'm I'm optimistic about with his promotion. You know, is that they can navigate him like he like they have the ability to move him. He can go between weight classes. This guy could go probably between 115 pounds all the way to like, you know, like you're saying the right opponents at 126 pounds, just go after the big fights. I mean, this guy's clearly not scared of anybody, but it would be interesting to see though, Donaire with that momentum, you know, they're building up in a way and you know, dude, that, that could be a huge fight. I mean, I know for like probably boxing nerds only, but who gives a shit if in a way creating that buzz they can do the second fight, and like you said, if he wins it a little easier, maybe even stops Donaire later in that fight, dude, that could end up being his, you know, fucking Hulk Hogan slamming the giant moment. Oh, you know? a- absolutely, and just think about, you know, it, yeah, it may not be a, a huge fight outside of the, the diehard boxing community. How many fucking Asians will be watching that fight? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Millions yeah. upon millions upon millions of eyes on that fight. Yeah, as Tim Bradley said, there'll be lots of Japans <laughs> watching that. <one. laughs> right? <laughs> um, all right. So uh the monster does what the monster is supposed to do and devours his opponent. Um, all right, let's get to showtime, Vin. From Houston, Texas, Jamal Charlo versus Juan Macias Montiel as Charlo defends his WBC middleweight title. Vin, 
Uh, Jermall Charlo in this fight against Juan Macias Montiel is expected to go in here and dominate, right? Charlo needs to dominate this level of opponents. But what I see more and more in boxing is the guys that talk the most about dominating your boy Keith Thurman is <laughs> the beacon of this of this crew. They're, they're the ones that always tend to carry the lackluster opponent. Demetrius Andre, Jamal Charlo, Keith Thurman. It's like, guys, guys, seriously. I mean, when like early in this fight, I'm seeing the advantages that Charlo has over Montiel. But again, what comes into question for me with Jamal Charlo at 160 pounds is his power. And it's not there. It's just not there. He doesn't have the devastating knockout power. It's still advanced. Like he's got more power at 160 than, say, a Billy Joe Saunders or probably even a Demetrius Andre, to be honest with you. But it's lacking, man. And what was most shocking to me about Jamal Charlo's performance in this fight was the way it just turned. And all of a sudden, this dude is leaning in on his front foot taking chin shots like Golovkin, right? Except these shots are hurting Charlo, like concussive punches through the guard, no effort for defense whatsoever. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this doesn't have to go this way. Like, why, why is he doing this? This is eerily similar to Devin Haney's last fight. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, why? You have this thing in the bag. And he made a, a suspect fighter, a fighter that got knocked out in the early rounds by Jaime Munguia. I don't know, man. That Charlo that I saw last night, mm, that narrative that Showtime was pumping about him being the best middleweight in the world, I think it's pretty clear that Golovkin's still the best. Well, I mean, yeah, at this point, uh, you know, just based on 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 what's been established and, and what's actually happened, yeah, I mean, you can't. Somebody's going to have to knock Golovkin off. That That is how it goes. I mean, I, I I will say this about that performance last night. He, Jamal Charlo, for whatever reason, early on, was controlling that fight with his lead hand, with his jab and with his lead left hook. And he can control a fighter with, with that weapon, with those two weapons very well. He hurt Montiel, decided to go after him, and then at that point, he did not take his foot off the gas going after him and got reckless in doing it. I don't know if he was like, if it was like, ah, I'm going all out for the knockout here. I, I, I don't care if I get hit. This guy can't hurt me. I feel like I need to drop him and he just couldn't get it done. I mean, he hurt, he had Montiel on queer street five or six times in that fight where he was, where, where he was clearly, clearly buzzed backed up to the ropes and couldn't finish him. That is, that's a bit of a problem. You know, you, if, if you're going to, if you're going to speak about, and, uh, you know, being this fighter that has that type of power, he's the Charlo brother. That is the puncher, not the boxer. You know, you didn't live up to it last night, but I, it's one of those things, man. Like I, I kind of equate it to, you know, a, a fighter can't show up every night and have their best fucking night. You know what I mean? Like some nights is just going to be a fucking off night. It's like in any other any other sport, any other athlete, the best in the world, they have their they have their off nights. Was that an off night? Was it, you know, part of the not getting up for the for this level of opponent type of thing? Because I I was thinking back to the Derevianchenko fight last night, watching that going, man, he looked like an absolute stud against a way better fighter, you know, in his last time out. Why is he not struggling? Because I, Look, he probably fucking won every round. He probably won 12, 11 rounds in that fight. But along the way, you saw all of these things that make you go, he's, are we sure he's the best 160-pound fighter in the world? <laughs> um, I don't know. Because uh, Montiel uh, against a guy like a Triple G, I, you know, I have to assume from what I know that Triple G does against guys like Amantiel, he's going to eventually get him out of there. And, he, uh, you know, somebody says, well, Mungia just got Cesar Meta out of there quicker than Triple G did. Well, what, by fucking two minutes? Like, you're, 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 you're fucking, <laughs> you're, you're, you're picking nits there, bud. 
it's it's just at this point it's like you're right you know he's got to earn that spot he has not earned that spot he's not earned the right to be in the pound for pound conversation yet he's he's right there but it's performances like that that make people question him moving forward i'm still you know if if you were tell me tomorrow that uh jamal charlo and triple g fight got announced I'd have a hard time not picking Jamal or Jamal Charlo, but you know he still hasn't fucking proven it. So it is what it is at this point. You got to you got uh, to dust yourself off after that performance and come back and get a legit opponent. Because let's be honest, inactivity and shitty opponents. And I know he fought Derevianchenko, who is a solid opponent, but it's been a long run of. Too much inactivity, too many fucking easy opponents that you get complacent, and that was what that was last night. A complacent performance where he decided to go for it and decided to eat punches along the way, and he and he come and he did not come out looking any looking any part, you know, the fighter that we thought he was going in. He kind of got outboxed by Maxey Korobov. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. like. Let's put this into context. His middleweight run against Golovkin's middleweight run. They both have a belt right now, so they're both champions, right? But Charlo, I mean, I, I would say he got outboxed by Matt Korboff. So, it, okay. So we have that level of opponent. Then he kind of gets busted up in the back half of the fight by Juan Macias Montiel. So... What kind of middleweight resume is that? I agree. The De- Look, the Derevianchenko fight is sink or swim, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Derevianchenko was going, was there to mow him over. Charlo resisted, and his game plan and his skills and everything, just too much for Derevianchenko. And he puts together a really good performance. But, dude, his overall book of work at 160 pounds is suspect at best. His, his his overall book of work at 154 and 160 are suspect. I I know, you know, he was considered the best at 154, but like if you go back and look at the actual run, I mean it's 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 very hollow. It's a Julian Williams knockout. That's that's what he's resting on at 154. So uh, it's 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 so it's like you see the skill, but there's 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 this need to pump these guys up. The and, and at, to, at, at a certain point, I think it hurts him a little bit. Like this guy's just not, he's not what he is built up to be by some people. And I think that came to light a little bit last night. Yeah. And you know, look, man, look, he's, he's a good fighter. Yes, absolutely. Right? No doubt about but, it. But he's probably more like a tier three or tier four fighter. You know, if you got tier one with Inouye and Canelo, and then you got tier two with guys like Spence and and Crawford, Taylor, right? yeah, yeah. And then you go and and then you go into tier three. Well, you got guys like Pacquiao and Golovkin, right? Mm-hmm. And then that next step are, are the are the they're the pretenders, right? They're the ones that want to be at that Golovkin, that Canelo, that elite status, that Josh Taylor that you know that Errol Spence they want that they want that status they want that level of achievement look you can't be too too hard on charlo directly though because the truth is you heard him all the way in the lead up of this fight saying he needs a signature win mm-hmm. he doesn't have it yep right but i would say this i believe him i believe his desire for that but you need to do what canelo's doing if you want to achieve that okay cuz you're 31 years old now and like fighting once every eight months, I just don't think that's going to cut it anymore. You know, like you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. You be a twice a year fighter, maybe a, you know, once every eight months fighter, they're unable, they don't give themselves an opportunity to sharpen their tools. Yeah. You know, and when you get in, when you get in there against guys like Montiel, you're not sharpening your tools. You're just not, I don't know. I'm sure he's like, he's in great shape. I'm sure he trains all the time, but there's gotta be a, a bit more, you got to do your part. You know, yeah. there's 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 a couple guys in boxing that just show up twice a year for their check. And right now, that's Jamal Charlo. 
looks like he's got a nice family life, man. I'm glad for him. He looks like a happy guy. But, I mean, dude, you're kind of like in the same category as Danny Garcia and all these other guys that just show up twice a year. And, and look, moving forward with his career, especially over the next eight to 12 months, okay, I don't want to hear you call out Triple G. You can call out Triple G all you want. We already know his next, the rest of his year is laid out. He's going to fight somebody in the late summer as a tune-up, and he's going to fight Murata at the end of the year. So move past that fight until 2022. That should not be on the radar. There's two fucking guys, and we've already mentioned the other one, okay? Two of you. You were supposed to fight long, long time ago. Guess what? You both need each other at this point. Demetrius Andrade and Jermall Charlo, there is no fucking reason why you guys shouldn't be fighting each other. It's, look, I, I at this point, the loser is kind of of that fight is kind of going to end up in a, in a bad spot. But guess what? You guys did it to yourself. But if one of you is eventually going to take the next step before you have gray hair on your fucking balls, I would suggest <laughs> fighting very soon. And, and, and there's, there's no excuse for it to not happen. I'm sorry. Make it fucking happen. The winner of that fight will be probably, you know, whether you think they should be or not, the winner of that fight would be thrust into most pound for pound conversations. So look, do it, do it. Stop fucking bullshit and stop talking about a 40 year old fucking nearly 40 year old triple G that's not the fight. I don't even care. Whoever's the guy to beat Triple G at this point, there's not much to that win other than the name. You're beating an old man. Just like, you know, I know Pacquiao just beat Thurman. Two, just beat him. Two years ago beat him and is going to fight Spence. But if Spence beats him, it's like, hey, you beat a 42-year-old. Like, eventually the guy was going to lose to one of you guys. There's just It doesn't carry much weight to me. I know it's if, a name. If Errol Spence loses that, you know what that does to the entire sport of boxing? This entire generation. It what, puts yeah. it, not just the welterweight division. It puts all of boxing on notice as a suspect generation. Oh, it definitely does. Uh, there's a there's a lot riding on that for Spence. Uh, like more than just more than just his legacy. <laughs> if he takes yeah. if he takes that L there, boy, that 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 flips that whole fucking this whole era on its head. God forbid that happens. Jesus Christ. I'll, pro I'll probably just ascend to the heavens. You know? <laughs> I will. It'll be, it'll be complete for me. <laughs> it know? would be. It, it I, certainly would be. All right. So uh, the undercard, Angelo, Leah, Alameda fight. Did you watch that at all? I did watch that. It was a, it was a good scrap. Entertaining scrap. Okay. Good scrap. Uh, entertaining scrap. Totally agree. Did you see the post-fight interview by Jim Gray? Yeah, I tweeted something about it being the queerest fucking thing. I'm so tired of these, these, these COVID interviews. The, the, hey, Jim, showtime. The place is packed. You don't have to run back and forth. That was the gayest. He, that was the gayest shit I've ever seen in my life. He like scampered in there. Hey, what is so? What did you think about? Uh, the uh, action there in the second round when it got heated up. Hold on, let me back up and you can give your answer. Says <laughs> fucking. Hold on. Hold on. All right, I'm in the safe zone. You can talk now. <laughs> just fucking put them in a goddamn bubble. That's just fucking stupid, man. Oh, dude, the uh, the theatrics of watching an old man like Jim Gray, an established, respected reporter, behave like that. It just felt like he was. Jim Gray to me looked like a monkey doing a dance for his handlers. You know, <laughs> he, did, he did. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're fucking embarrassing yourself behaving that way. Like, would you behave normal? What do you think you're gonna get fired? Oh shit, shit! Somebody's gonna see me. I'm standing way too close. Like, what? <laughs> what do you? What is wrong with all of you people? Like, start acting normal. Are you are you guys really concerned? You're standing outside. You guys okay? Why don't you just give them their own microphone and you guys stand there like fucking men? Let your nuts drop and have a conversation. Stop acting like little 
fucking manipulated robot bitches. Uh. All of you, man. It's just ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. These people are fucking minstrels, all of them. I can't take anybody on television serious anymore. It's ridiculous, man. It's like, well, Jim Gray's credibility just went down the tube because he's afraid to be canceled by some fucking nitwit screecher. You know, tranny screecher with fucking glow-in-the-dark hair. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Dude, I'm watching that like, so wait a second. It's okay for you to run into the frame and ask him a question, but when he starts talking, you've got to run the hell back out of there. You better hightail it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, let's get out of here. His spit's in the air. COVID! <laughs> yes, fucking pussies. God. Uh, are you vaccinated or not? Stop Dude. acting like that. <laughs> Who Jeez. fucking cares anymore? Gosh. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, the Jaime Munguia Camille Sarah's meta fight on the zone, Vin, for the WBO Intercontinental Middleweight Championship. Um, all right. Hey, That's hey, Gabe said, Where's my belt? <laughs> he wanted that <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, what'd you think about Mungia's performance against Sarah's meta, Vin? Uh, I, look, I think the kid's improving. Um, I think the, the path they're taking with him is probably the right path. There was no reason to rush this kid a- any more than they have to. I, dude, I, I, at 160, I think he's a player. And, and, you know, I'm interested to see what happens moving forward with him. But, you know, I, there's a ceiling there. I, I don't think he's the best or, or will ever be the best at 160 pounds. Uh, you know, he probably falls right outside of the champion category for me like somewhere in the five to seven ranking range at middleweight but i'll tell you this name me a fight the kid that the kid's been in that hasn't been entertaining that's my favorite part about him is he look you're gonna get a mungia fight don't expect the the highest level of skill and all that just expect to be entertained because the kid throws a lot of punches and he goes in there and goes to work so look I, i i'm good with who he is as a fighter right now continues to like make little minor fucking improvements along the way maybe he'll get there but just enjoy i just enjoy watching him work because he goes to work he's got he's still got a good ways to go but you keep making them improvements dude i look the kid could be you know what he was touted to be two three years ago when everybody fucking prematurely hopped on that bandwagon and was screaming from the mountaintops that he's like the next you know great mexican fighter was like, oh, whoa, he's not that, but we could have some fun watching this fucking kid fight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he is what we thought Gilberto Ramirez was going to be, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I look forward to the next Jaime Munguia uh, scrap, no doubt. Um, in the undercard, it was King Gabe Rosado versus Bektamir Melikuziev, um in a super middleweight contest, and Beck the Bully. Um, falls victim, or I should say gets flattened in the third round by the hype train. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just didn't think it was going to come in the form of a punch from Gabe Rosado. Um, you know, a pretty standard boxer technique wise. Um, that's not, not exactly known for his thundering power. Then no, no, he is not. You know what that was more known for an iron chin. Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's known for being a guy that has worn some of the worst ass whoopings we've seen on national television over the last six or seven years in the sport of boxing. It, yeah. You know what that reminded me of last night? It, it, it And it's kind of it is mirroring where Rosado's career has gone over these last couple fights. He looked really good against Danny Jacobs. I thought he won the fight. He gets the knockout last night with that right hand. It kind of reminds me of what Andy Lee was able to do when we saw him knock out Jonathan Jackson on the uh with that with that right hook from nowhere in a fight that he was getting beat up in and seemingly about to lose and his career about to be over he sp- he spins that right hand on Jackson and then it launches into a a title fight with Billy Joe Saunders you know a year and a half later after that this is kind yeah. of what Rosado's career is doing right now that knockout has now 
launched him into a position where he can call a shot. You know, he, he's earned it. Give this fucking guy a title shot. If it's going to be against Mungia, whoever it's going to be. I, that was one of that right. hand. I, I, I'll say this. I've never like, it's been a long time since I've been like legitimately happy for a fighter. When I saw that punch land and, and he gets that knockout, I'm like, God, if there's one guy in boxing that, that deserves a moment like that, it's fucking Gabe Brasado, man. That guy will fight anybody. Uh, ain't scared to fucking bite that bite down on his fucking gum shield and go at it with the best in the world. So if anything comes out of this, I hope that Gabe gets himself a title shot and a nice fucking payday before he has to step away from the sport for good. Yeah. There's a, like a, a throwback aura to him, you know, mm-hmm. um, not just in the mentality of, of, of taking on, you know, the litany of, uh, you know, of tough world-class fighters, that that he's been in the ring with because look man i look it takes it takes swagger to do that but to be the b-side in every single one of them Mm -hmm. that means you know exactly what you're there for and in the back of the mind i mean like you got to have the belief that you have a chance to win these fights maybe that's just coming to fruition for him at 168 pounds he just feels more comfortable maybe he's at a better place in his life um maybe bektamir melikuziev was just a, a fucking suspect Right. Oh, you see what he was doing yesterday. I mean, that the the jumping in from out of range with your hands down. It's a, I notice it with a lot of some of these Eastern European fighters. They get there's a there's a, a sense of arrogance to some of the ways that they fight. Like that was a very arrogant approach by Melikuziev in that fight yesterday. You're not in there against a complete scrub, dude. You're in against a guy that knows his way around a boxing ring. So what are you doing? Don't like the, the just hands at the waist lunging in and, and, and really setting himself up to be timed for that right hand. I mean, that's all Rosado was doing. He saw what he saw, what Melikuziev was doing, jumping in with that left. And he said, oh, I'm going to catch him with a fucking right hand. And, and it, it kind of looked like a, you know, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez's right hand to Pacquiao on the ropes where he just timed him coming in perfectly. And it, it's just, look, man, you've got Melikuziev kind of does it with his style. I think Israel Madrimov has a bit of it in his boxing style where it's like, dude, I get you trying to incorporate like the urban American fighter style into your style, but it, it it's, it's it, the way it comes off. It, it's, it, you're not doing it properly. It's not like this isn't how you're going to win big fights down the road. And you, he fucking paid the ultimate price. There's plenty of time left in this kid's career. But to, to have that type of knockout loss on your record when you haven't established yourself already, uh, that, that's going to hurt. That's going to knock you down a few notches. I mean, I'm hearing all these boxing uh, writers and heads out there you know, fucking screaming from the rafters, the Uzbeks are coming, the Uzbeks are coming. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Vin, when them Uzbeks coming, son? <laughs> nah, for real, where them Uzbeks is? <laughs> I ain't never been worried about no <laughs> Uzbeks, son. <laughs> <laughs> them Uzbeks coming to why, Um, Yeah, I mean, all right. <laughs> you know, I look. Big up to Gabe Rosado. I mean, I feel like this dude would have been a world champion back in the 1940s. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just has that fucking throwback style. Um, good for him, man. Um, and I hope he gets uh, an opportunity out there for him. Uh, fight preview, Vin. This upcoming weekend, it is the return of Vasily Lomachenko, the former pound for pound king, is squaring off against a really tough. Uh, big fighter for 135 pounds, Yoshi Nakatani. This is a ballsy move here by the, well, now elder statesman from the Ukraine. Um, what do you think about this about this matchup for him, man? It's a tough one, dude. It's a tough one because, you know, what Lomachenko is, is able to do as a fighter, I don't know if it's possible against Nakatani. I don't know if you can break this guy down. I mean, you know, from a skills perspective and being able to land punches and 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 win and outbox the guy, sure. I, I don't doubt that Lomachenko can do that. But 
to to break this guy down and hurt him and 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 slow him down or stop him late in this fight. That's a that's a tough ask, uh, especially coming off of injuries, uh, multiple surgeries in the last few years on his shoulder. Like this is kind of a this is a show me fight for Lomachenko coming off that performance against Lopez. I think everybody still holds him in high regard, and and there, and I don't question the guy's skill level whatsoever. But after the performance of that first six or seven rounds of that of that Lopez fight, and kind of giving it away, uh, it was just a very odd performance. I you know I I need to be shown something here because the age, like you mentioned, elder statesman, is thirty three, going to be thirty four years old very soon. Uh, been in some tough fucking fights, man. Yeah, you know the 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 Linares fight was tough. Uh, even like he, he even after that, the Luke Campbell fight. I know he won, but he took some punches in that fight. There's this is not a guy who has not been hit at all. And you know, I know he was he's touted as you know the Matrix and all that stuff. But over the last couple of years, there's been holes punched in the Matrix. It's uh. This, this Saturday is we're gonna find out does this guy have another couple years left him left in him as one of the 10 best fighters in the world you know for me with Lomachenko I think it comes down to interest more than him falling off the cliff right now I think he could have another two or three year run mm-hmm. and and I especially think he could at 130 pounds um you know I think if he went down because these guys man they just he is. He's taking a he's he's taking a pounding. And I'm sure that interest wanes as you get older and you've already had, well, we know he's like four thousand and oh in the amateurs, right? <laughs> so, you know, this guy's had a long career. He he's been doing this since he was a kid, right? It's been like boxing academy, boxing school the entire time. So for me, I, I I'm not questioning his heart. I'm questioning his interest. Mm-hmm. Let's see. If we see an interest, an interested Lomachenko in this fight, we'll see a Matrix-esque performance because I think Nakatani's limited ability to move mm-hmm. is what Lomachenko will tee off on. And I think it'll inevitably be body work that'll be Nakatani's demise in this fight. Lomachenko is one of the most exciting fighters in boxing. He's He's been an all-action fighter except for the first six rounds against Tiafumo Lopez. So... Hopefully age and interest and brain farts don't catch up to him um, because he's not going to want to fall asleep against a big guy like Nakatani. No, and he's and this is a huge, huge comeback for him. Like he, he has to make a statement. I think he knows that. I think he feels slightly embarrassed by that last performance. He's kind of – he wasn't coming to grips with that fight at first, and lately he's been kind of acknowledging that, yeah, I lost that fight, this, that, and the other. So I think he knows uh, he needs to show out on Saturday night. All right, that'll do it from the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas. Vin, let's get to this other big fight card as Gervonta Tank Davis um, tries to stake his legacy, um, his future, and uh, you know, basically building a dynasty of WBA regular belts as he steps up to 140 pounds to square off against the uh, the big and rugged. Mario Barrios. Now, if he is being directed properly by the mastermind that is Floyd Mayweather, right? Floyd always, there's always something about the opponent, right? We can build this thing as this guy is tough as nails. You know, it's going to be a war. Tank's power. Is it real? Moving up to 140. All these questions. I don't really think there are any questions. I think they know who they've picked for this fight. The thing that's going to be interesting for me anyways with Tank, does he have any power at 140 pounds? Because now he's in another stratosphere of physiques. Like what people forget, yeah, Tank is a tank because he's thick, but he's thick because he's like five foot three and a half. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? So this is the most intriguing part of this fight. I feel like, um, I don't know, Floyd and team, you know, have to feel that Barrios is compromised in some way. Who knows? I, I just don't understand this matchmaking or this road. I mean, I've never wanted to be regular anything in my life. I mean, when I was, you know, 50 pounds heavier, 
I never wanted fucking, you know, regular size. I wanted super size. <laughs> you know? Give me that fucking 64 ounce gulp, the one with two handles on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh. This is an interesting choice of opponent. I mean, nobody's asking for it. No, it's nope. just completely out of left field. So knowing the fighter and knowing who's in control of career, his career and kind of where they've taken it, you're you're like immediately you're like, what's the angle that they found? for Barrios like why they why they pick Barrios what 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 was the look I think Barrios has struggled making 140 a couple times here lately uh, it's a tough ask for him to get down to that weight if he struggles to make it again guess what you got a compromised fighter in the ring that can be easily knocked out I I do think Tank has the power to stop a, a Mario Barrios at 140 pounds I don't I'm not sure that means that he can you know that 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 says anything against a guy like a Regis Progray or a Josh Taylor or a Jose Ramirez at 140. That's completely different atmosphere and level of, of fighter there, in my opinion. It's intri- well, that's a different level fight. That's a different level fighter than than Tank is operating on. He's not even operating on that stratosphere. No, he's not. And and this at least this uh, here's what I'll say. At least for the, the this is the first time that he's not taking a guy who was at one point smaller than him that has climbed up and now he's fighting him because th- that's what Leo Santa Cruz was. At least Barrios is a legit 140 pound fighter. He has the size at 140 pounds. I think he's got a, a five inch height advantage and like a four and a half inch reach advantage in this fight, which is significant, but is Barrios a good enough boxer to be able to keep uh, the athletic, you know, quick, uh, power counter punching of Tank Davis off of him. I don't think he can. I really don't think he can. I think Tank stops him. I, I really do. I, I just think he's that type of fighter. And I think Barrios is at that point where there's a reason why they're picking Barrios. Um, he's going to go down in this fight, Ken. And I'm, I'm going to say if you can, if you can get group round bets in for him, somewhere between the fourth and sixth rounds, Mario Barrios goes night night mm, man so you are you you are saying that this thing goes exactly to the tmt script yes there's a reason okay Ken. there's a reason that script is that script is solid son it is solid no there's no doubt about that um i watched the uh the showtime all access on uh it was pretty good though like it's just a, a short all access on on uh, charlo montiel and the the, the all access on on Davis Barrios. And I just can't get over the fact that every time they show tank Davis training, he's wearing a trash bag. You know, I think the only reason he's fighting at 140 pounds is because every camp is a fat camp. And eventually that lifestyle is going to catch up to you. I mean, all you got to do is look at Adrian Broner, you know, the guy's fucking blacked out and, you know, fucking, (laughs) fucking tripped over a curb and his head fell into some girl's pussy. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's <I> cooked. Mean. <laughs> Brona is cooked. <laughs> oh, Brona? <laughs> Brona cooked. <laughs> oh, you see you see that wolf pussy eating the other night, man? <laughs> that bitch was howling. Ooh. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. Who who would allow themselves to just be posted munching box in the backseat of a fucking car? <laughs> Did his wife post a retort? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I saw him hollering at some chick on Instagram later in the week where he's like, nah, these things ain't free, baby. You're gonna have to drop fifteen hundred. You want you want this work? <laughs> oh, what? Yes, dude. He must be the fucking the Gandalf of Cunnilingus. <laughs> Cunnilingus. That's a wizard. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, I guess hey, if that's the if you look in the mirror and that's what looks back at you. <laughs> Maybe it's not all that bad. <laughs> At least we'll, we'll all be entertained in the process. But um, I don't know. Something's going to give eventually with this, with with Davis. The whole regular belt train. It's just too much. There's too much smoke and mirrors around him right now. And 
I think that eventually the curtain is going to fall down and we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see he's pulling the, pulling the strings behind the curtain. Cause this just seems like a runaway train that, you know, eventually is just going to just go flying off the tracks, man. Um, I, I don't think it's this. I think this is going to be pretty predictable. I'm going with you eight, nine round stoppage, but who knows fucking struggled against Gamboa. So who knows? Yeah. You know? Yep. Who knows? Just get <laughs> all the urban fighter knees is just a little Mexican tune up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <clears throat> um, all right, let's get to the co-feature Vin. This is a really, really interesting matchup. Erickson Lubin, uh, the once highly touted prospect, still a young man squaring off against the former unified champion at 154 pounds and a WBC junior middleweight eliminator. Uh, Lubin versus Jason Rosario, Vin. This is going to be really good, I think. Uh, here's what I think about this fight. I think that Erickson Lubin is a significantly better fighter than Jason Rosario. I think Jason Rosario had a... His win against J-Rock is just one of them things that I don't put too much weight behind it because he's just not really that good of a fighter. He's tough. I guess you could say he's got good size. He's just not caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. He's just not much of a boxer. I think Erickson Lubin, you know, since his knockout loss to Jermel Charlo has gotten better, has gotten his confidence back. And and I, I mean, you got to give the guy credit though. He's got a huge dick. (laughs) Who does? Rosario. Isn't his nickname banana? (laughs) Is that, is that why he got that nickname? I guess so. Ken. You must, I mean, one, must why, one must assume, right? That's, <laughs> that's why I chose that nickname. <laughs> Just doing the math, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I think, I do. I think Lubin's going to knock him out. I think Lubin stops him. Uh, really? Yeah, I think Lubin stops him. Seven. Don't you think that Lubin has enough, like, question marks to him still and holes in his game? That a guy that has heavy hands, I know he's, it's clear he's not as skilled as Lubin, that he can't touch this kid up. I mean, I, I don't think Lubin is, is, I don't, I don't view him, even though I view him as a superior fighter, I don't view him as being this like, in, like durable guy if it, if it comes to a firefight. Like if he can't, if, if Rosario is really aggressive towards Lubin, I think that Lubin, he might have problems with that. He he may struggle a little bit. I don't know if Lubin has reached his potential yet. If he's reached his potential or or he reaches it in this fight, then I think it'll be a decisive victory. I agree. Because then all of that will be put together. Uh, superior athleticism, you know, precision punching, accuracy, length, uh, you just just everything. Right. You know, it's he's he's just a more refined fighter, but I'm not counting Rosario out in this one, man. I'll be counting that brother all the way out. Lubin gonna <laughs> Lubin gonna murk that boy. Oh, crayon tip banana dip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. J Rock Julian Williams uh returns on this card, batting in the spot typically reserved by matchroom boxing for Callum Smith. <laughs> batting in the number four spot on this. Wow, man. Uh J Rock. it's it's he is such a fucking pleasure to watch fight, man. But I think it's pretty clear at this point, you got to put him in the same category um, as the Jorge Linares is, uh, of the world. They, uh, his uh, chin a little sus. Boxing ability, oh, so sweet to watch, man. So sweet to watch. Love watching J-Rock as an operator, but nah, nah, young. That's why he fighting Brian Mendoza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly... He could be stopped in this fight. There isn't. There is no fight that he's in that I don't think he could get stopped in. Do I think he'll win this fight? Sure do. But there's always a question. Always. Moving on to news and notes, Vin. There is no question. Tiafimo Lopez had to pull out of this fight this past weekend. We couldn't do a post fight because he pissed hot, Vin. <laughs> for the COVID, he pissed hot for the COVID, Vin. Yeah. And that's a new. And that's a new thing now, right? Where uh, you know John Rahm's got a six-stroke lead at the memorial, and then in the middle of the round, he pissed hot. They must be collecting samples in the fucking porta potties <laughs> out on the golf course, you know? 
I mean, it's being treated like fucking PEDs. There's going to be suspensions. You watch. Somebody pisses hot for COVID, and they're going to get fucking 10-game suspension. <sighs> I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. This was a guy, like, at the beginning of the pandemic that's, that, that, that said boisterously he refused to fight because he has asthma, right? And that, you know, he is in the category as a high-risk, mm-hmm. um, you know, candidate. Mm-hmm. That COVID could just take him out, right? Mm-hmm. And then... A year later, he's an anti-vacciner. <laughs> so he doesn't want to take the vaccine, even though it could save his life because of this horrible chronic asthma that he has, right? And uh, look, he got the COVID, and I don't know if he's going to make it. So <laughs> um, They've tentatively postponed this fight to August 14th, and should he make it out alive, and all the people that he was with that are currently infected as well, um, hopefully that doesn't turn into a uh, a pocket that infects the town. And the next thing you know, we have to all go back to wearing masks again. <laughs> stop with all the fucking craziness. This didn't have anything to do with a prematurely announced reworking, renegotiating of a deal being closed with top rank. And he was supposed to fight on a non top rank card. Huh? I can. Did that have anything? I mean, Vin, what's going on here, man? Because I smell fish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. COVID my dick. COVID <laughs> my dick. Guy ain't got no fucking COVID. I don't, I don't care. I, I, I brought it up on Twitter the other night, and some guy that did an interview with, with Tia Fimo's father and went to their, wherever they are, their camp, and, he, you know, oh, his son has it. He's doing fine. This was two days after he announced it and seniors out there like, I know he's doing fine, so I feel okay to come out here and tell everybody he's good and this, that, and the other. And it's like, all right, hold on. What you're telling me is that coincidentally, you know, a few days before this huge fight where no tickets were selling and nobody was going to buy the pay-per-view, that this kid gets COVID and we got to bump it back to August 14th. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'm not that fucking stupid. If you're that stupid and you actually fucking believe that, give me a fucking break. I'm not so sure that the top rank deal had anything to do with it. I just think that Triller's like, we're about to go underwater for this fucking fight. We were sold a bill of goods on how popular this fucking kid is, kid is and we fucking severely overpaid. The, the, the pricing for tickets started, I believe, at like, there was there was a like a three thousand dollar like ringside price point. Hey, fuck Whoa. it. They brought them bitches all the way down, and they still weren't moving tickets. That's what Jeez. it is, folks. So you know this Tiafimo Lopez fucking hype thing that's going on that he's driving that him and his father are 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 at the wheel of trying to create something that just isn't real yet. The, the, his superstardom has not happened. I know because you you think because you beat Lomachenko that 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 automatically brought with it superstardom. It just didn't. This is not the case. So it is what it is at this point. I don't. To me, I do you really think? Do you think this fight happens August fourteenth? I don't really care if it happens August fourteenth. I don't think it's, it's not going a fight to. that's on my radar. It's not a fight if it's on pay per view. It's not a fight that's on my radar. No, it's yeah, it's completely. It's a complete joke of a pay per view fight. You know what we should have called this episode, Vin? We should have called this or this segment, anyways. Pull out game. Your pull out game is weak. <laughs> uh, because uh, Guillermo Rigondial, old Rigo himself, has withdrawn from his title shot against John Real Casimero that was supposed to take place on August 14th. Rigo is out and in steps Bantamweight champion Nonito Donaire to unify the division. Before the later news came out, what was your first impression when when you heard that Rigo was out and Do- Nonito Donaire was taking the place against Casimero? Uh, my immediate re- reaction was, of course, he fucking stepped aside. <laughs> of course, he fucking did. This is fucking Rigo we're talking about. Like this is this is this is the playbook. This is what he fucking He's like. Does. I best I best step aside, or they gonna dock my pay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he's been guaranteed the winner. 
Okay. Uh, sure. I'll uh, believe that when I see it there, pal. Yeah, it's just, it. I, I have a hard time believing what was reported, that the PBC asked Rigo to step aside for this unification fight. I mean, I guess, well, you know what? Maybe they're just being completely transparent and honest, or maybe they're not. Because if they were 100% transparent and honest, then they would have said, well, Rigo boring as fuck and ain't no interest in watching Rigo fight anyone. Oh, no Nito available? All right, Rigo, take a seat, son. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it boils down to. Rigo is, he is one of the very few things in the world that can literally make a penis suck up into your body. <laughs> If you're a fight fan, absolutely. So what? Rigo gonna fucking has he been getting ready for the fight? You know, like is he gonna fight in the undercard? <laughs> like, or he's just like, nah, I'm good. You, I, I don't, I don't need them to dock my pay anymore. <laughs> is he fucking uh, 46 right. years old at this point? Yeah, I think he just turned 50. Jesus Christ, so, man! Just end. There's it. that. I mean, he passed up an opportunity to become the oldest champion in the history of boxing. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, he may never get it again. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, Vin, on this note. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, part three, the press conference. Ooh. So I'll uh, start off with old Deontay. Deontay sure had a lot to say in the wake of his passing in the fight against Tyson Fury, the second go-round, where weapons were used, gloves were tampered with, drinks were poisoned, <laughs> Durrell brothers were paying off hitmen. Um, it was a fiasco. The autopsy from the death came back as all, everything that I just said verified by evidence. And, you know, the the awakening of the king, your king is here. Your king is risen. I was anticipating that the king of Wakanda himself would have had a lot more to say in this promotion. Because he had sure did levy some UFO Area 51 conspiracy theory level accusations against Tyson Fury in their second go-round where Deontay Wilder got the living shit kicked out of him. <laughs> Dude, I, to me, I'm just, I'm so confused by what he's doing right now. I, I Like, I, it's almost to the point, and I think Tyson Fury brought it up at the press conference, like, I don't know what's up with this guy's state of mind right now and where he is, but it's somebody should on his team should probably tell him it's not a good idea to get into a fight with Tyson Fury right now. That that's what it looks like to me. It's like he's he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Like this to to avenge all the wrongs and like I I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. It's it's such odd behavior and all these fucking Deontay Wilder sycophants. <laughs> That 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 have come from this whole fiasco, like oh, Deontay talks, you're mad at him. When Deontay doesn't talk, you still mad at him. Like that statement is so fucking stupid. When you say dumb shit like he's been saying for the last fucking year, and you get in the public eye the first time, and you fucking put headphones on, and you don't want to say anything because you feel like you don't have to say anything. Give me a fucking break, man. I like Deontay Wilder. I really do. I don't know if it's a work. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you one thing. His fucking behavior is a complete fucking joke. Like, you want to throw that shit? You want to go and make those accusations? Then fucking go with it, dude. Go with it. 100%. Thousand miles an hour straight ahead, kamikaze your motherfucking ass. At <laughs> least it'll be entertaining that way. But if you're gonna do this bit where you're gonna be a fucking a deaf mute during the lead up to this fight, and you're gonna show everybody in the ring uh bloodshed and this I'm gonna kill this mother. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. That's what you know what? Don't talk. Just don't talk. <laughs> you're right. Keep your fucking headphones on. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Tell me when the fucking bell rings for this waste of fucking time. Because that's what it is. Because Tyson Fury is going to steamroll this motherfucker. <laughs> oh. and, I, and I want Deontay Wilder to win 
more than you could ever know because I want Deontay <laughs> Wilder versus, versus Anthony Joshua almost more than any fight in boxing. That's the heavyweight mecca for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just can't anymore. I can't with the guy. Just shut the fuck up already. <laughs> well, I think he's doing that. He's taking your advice, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, he's he's following the example being set by our president right now. He doesn't have to answer no questions about nothing, right? He can let he can he can he can say all this stuff offhand, and then when he's got a fucking answer for it, nope, not taking questions today. <laughs> not today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, I would pay a fifty dollars pay per view to have. Deontay Wilder have to answer questions. And no, you're not allowed to fucking give Ellie Secback and guys like that a fucking press credential. I'm talking about like real journalists. So I'm talking about ones that I would probably bring from outside of boxing. <laughs> you want you want right? to see the most some of the most cringe-worthy fucking interview shit you've ever seen in your life? Go to Ellie's most recent interview with Deontay oh, Wilder. It. That, that man is just mouthful of shaft on that motherfucker, dude. What a joke. Oh, it's, what a joke. Yeah, it is skilled deep throat. There is no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I, you know, man, I mean, that's the whole thing with, with, with Wilder is that he doesn't have to answer the questions for all the accusations that he levied. He, doubled, that he doubles down on them away from this environment. And then, and then, like you said, he just goes completely silent. It's like, dude, you should have to answer for what you said. But we know how awful he is on the mic. Could you imagine him trying to explain his fucking conspiracy theories? Oh, it would be fucking, it would be audio gold to possess. Because it would be so embarrassingly bad. It would be one of those ones where you're like, I should probably turn this yeah, off. Yeah, that's what I was like. You get physically embarrassed yourself listening to it. Yes. Yes. I'm so embarrassed for this guy. I'm going to go. I, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, man. It's going inter- yeah, to be interesting. It's going to be interesting in the build up to that fight. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I can't imagine he stays. He stays a deaf mute the entire time. But we'll see. Yeah. We shall. We shall see. Uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, part three, uh, coming to pay-per-view on July 24th. Uh, just around the corner, about a month away, Vin. Um, but I think that'll do it, unless you got anything else. Nah, man, we, we, we worked some overtime today, son. We got you got yeah. we got to put a little surcharge on that on that Patreon for this extra fifteen minutes and shit. <laughs> fucking <laughs> taxes, <huh? laughs> you know what I'm saying? We charge, we levy in taxes. Um, no, but our uh, our pay per view clout and all access subscribers uh, will get an extra episode uh, in the middle of the week as we will do our midterm pound for pound updated pound for pound countdown. Um, so if you are a premium subscriber, uh, you'll have access to that but we appreciate all of you tuning in and being a subscriber and checking out this episode 319 of the boxing rant podcast spread the word follow us on social media at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr um and we'll see you next time we appreciate all of you tuning in to the boxing rant podcast but I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can.